morning, everyone. How are you? Put your hands up if you can feel your toes. Okay. Helps when you're trying to play a sustained pedal if you can actually feel your toes. Can I just say, um, um, Barry's very gracious. Said he had guitar problems. Actually, the problem was I hadn't taken the transpose button off the keyboard. But Barry's far too gracious to throw me in it. But I don't mind. <laughs> I belong in it, probably. Okay, so let's dive in. Are we ready to dive in? Okay, so we've been working our way through the gifts of the, the list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we find in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through about 12, in fact. And the premise that's been running all the way through this series is, is that if we want to live clothed with power, then we're going to need to become skillful in handling the various gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the dial needs to be shifted in our lives, I think. The dial needs to be shifted so it's less and less about the best I can do. So much more about what he can do as he works in and through us, clothed with power. So here's the bottom line. We, as born-again, Bible-believing, faith-filled, spirit-led Christians, we, we host the gift, the gift giver, the revealer, the teacher, the healer, the miracle worker lives on the inside of you and me. And he's not in there to hide. He's not tucked away for a quiet life. He wants to burst out to do what only he can do, which is to save the lost, to heal the hurting, and to set the captive gloriously free. Not that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's, that's his ministry. That's what his gifts are given for. And guess what? That's what we badly need. And what we minister to a world that needs it even more, dare I say, never more than right now. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a list of nine gifts, three groups of three. Verse 8 says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith. And then it goes on to say, Gifts of healings, working in miracles, prophecy to another, the discerning of spirits, and then finally to another, different kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. The last two weeks, we've been looking at what we call the utterance gift, group of three, prophecy, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Next week, we're going to move on to the power gift, which is gifts of healings, the working of miracles, and special faith. But for this week, we're going to look at the revelation gifts in that list. And there are three revelation gifts. Number one is the word of knowledge. Number two is the word of wisdom. And number three is the discerning of spirits. And the plan this morning is to look, first of all, at what they are and to look at what they do. And then... In response, how might we open the door as wide as possible so the Holy Spirit can use us all in those very gifts?
the work away through the first one on my list is, is the word of knowledge. The definition might sound a bit technical and chewy. The definition is the revealing of a fact or a detail or a piece of information that could only be known if God himself has shown you. Quite possibly something about someone that you simply could not have known by yourself. A mystery revealed, a secret uncovered, an unknown detail disclosed. We're not talking about here about something that could have been observed naturally or, or deduced intellectually. It must come by inspiration. Supernatural revelation. Information dropped into your spirit by the Holy Spirit what we call revelation knowledge rather than sense knowledge. A couple of quick examples from the Bible. There are many. Uh, a story in 1 Kings uh, chapter 19. Uh, and in this particular instance, um, Elijah is having a woe is me moment. And the Lord shows him there and then that he is not alone in his battle with King Ahab uh, and wicked Queen Jezebel, but actually God shows him specifically there are 7,000 others who have not yet bowed the knee to the prophet Baal, for the false god Baal. Another example, New Testament Jesus. Um, if you remember the story where Jesus is in conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well, John 14, verse 16, Jesus said, Go and get your husband. She said, I don't ha have a husband. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. The point is that Jesus knew details here that he had no right to know unless the Holy Spirit had explicitly shown him. That is a word of knowledge. Now, I don't know about you, but, but there have been countless times in my ministry life when, when just one key piece of critical information could have, as it were, cracked the whole situation wide open. And I'm, as I'm there in conversation, I'm praying, oh, to know what the real issue is here. What is the original hurt at the root causing all that knock-on pain? What is it that we that we really need to pray into. What's the key that would open this door once and for all? You know, when I think of the word of knowledge, I think of it being like this or, or serving this purpose. Number one, I think of it as being a can opener. That's opened it up. So now we can really get down to it. Or, or I think of it like a catalyst. You know, that'll give this an almighty great shove. This'll get us past this blockage and get things finally moving. Or I think of it being like an, an elevator. A, a word of, of information or a fact or a detail or some form of revelation that, that just moves the whole conversation from, from the realm of, of my best efforts and, and well-intentioned guesswork into... God has spoken. 
Or finally, I think of it as being like a softener, a, a kind of guard prompt that, that just cracks that hard shell so God can get in and change that heart. My uh, experience and observation, words of knowledge often seem to, to work in combination with gifts of healing, whether that be physical healing or emotional. It's almost as though God kind of gets his spotlight out in order to show, show us that there's a hurt or to demonstrate that he cares or to spark faith and then to offer healing through his prompting. So someone will, will call out an area of pain or an injury or a sickness. And often actually several people will respond to that word of knowledge. I think back to my early uh, Christian days when I was uh, kind of mentoring under Steve Ryder, who was an Australian healing evangelist who ran healing crusades all over the world. And um, as I observed him, what, what he used to do when he got up to the platform to speak is he'd probably spend about three or four or five minutes just introducing himself, maybe tell a little bit of story just to whet people's appetites. And then he would almost always call out one person to pray for. And actually, if you, if you knew what to look for, you, you could see him during those minutes, sometimes even before the service, just kind of scanning the room, testing the spirit and say, come on, Lord, who's the one? Who's the one? And you know what? In all the meetings that I went, that person would get healed every single time. And then once that healing had taken place, he then preached long, actually, about faith and healing before praying for everyone else. And I remember being in those healing crusades in, in Czech and in Slovakia, and just, just lines of people all the way around the room, and he would pray and lay hands on the sick for hours, and many, many, many would get healed. You know what, it was that, it was that initial word of knowledge, that initial healing, I'm sure, that, that kind of served as a catalyst, a can opener. So number one, word of knowledge. Number two is word of wisdom. Definition here is, this is the supernatural revelation of, you guessed it, divine wisdom, which gives insight into God's future purposes. So whereas the word of knowledge is factual, so it usually covers the past or the present, Word of wisdom is about, is about the future, how to, how to press into the plans and the purposes of God. As before, this is God disclosing something as yet unseen or hidden. Something that we would not normally or naturally know without God himself showing us. Another definition, an extension of that definition might be supernatural revelation of divine wisdom and how to apply it in a specific situation or circumstance. So it's a piece of insight or instruction or direction given to help solve a difficult problem or a messy situation. Now we need to note, a word of wisdom is not the same as natural wisdom. It's more than just a wise saying from a wise person. 
or a clever brain working something out. This is specific and this is inspired and timely wisdom as revealed right now by the Holy Spirit. Biblical example, these are a little bit harder to find actually than words of knowledge. But here's one, this is Matthew 10, this is uh, Jesus, of course, Jesus speaking to his disciples. In Matthew 10 verse 16, he says, look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, here comes the future prediction part, for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other believers about me. Verse 90, when you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking, it will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. I think actually there's two parts to this. You know, you could say, first of all, that Jesus himself was operating in the word of wisdom. He was telling them what's to come and how they should wisely deal with it. But then I reckon Jesus also encouraging them that they too would receive that gift in the future when they desperately needed it. You know, I wonder whether, whether these two gifts, word of knowledge, and word of wisdom may well actually work together. So if the word of knowledge is, is the revealing of a piece of information, perhaps highlighting a problem or a challenge, then maybe the word of wisdom is about applying the wisdom of God to the solution of that revealed problem. So again, if the former, the word of knowledge is a present problem, then the word of wisdom, the latter, is the future solution. So the word of knowledge says this is how it is right now as it stands, whereas the word of wisdom says this is how it should be or could be in the purposes of God if we apply his revealed wisdom. Okay, we're doing well. Number three. Number three is discerning of spirits. Definition here, of this is the ability to see into the spirit realm so that you can perceive what's really going on. It's the ability to discern who or what is at work. It could be angelic. It could be demonic. It could be the Holy Spirit. It could be human flesh. It could be the spirit of Christ, or it could be the spirit of anti-Christ. In fact, if you read the first few verses in 1 John chapter 4, there's a, there's a whole section there on, on testing the spirit. When we're going to need this gift to, to discern false teaching or false prophecy, equally discern, to discern true doctrine and true prophecy, to discern genuine wisdom and genuine character and also to discern the difference between sheep and goats and wolves because all of those can be found in the sheepfold 
couple of biblical examples. Again, there are quite a few. Uh, Old Testament one, this is a story, familiar story of Elisha and Gehazi in, in 2 Kings 6. 2 Kings 6, 16, I haven't got time to go through the whole story, but don't be afraid, Elisha told him. They were, they were surrounded by the enemy, if you remember. Things were looking really, really bleak. Gehazi was getting really, really anxious. But Elisha said, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Just for a second, as though God opened his supernatural eyes, he was able to see directly into the spirit realm and see exactly what was going on beyond this natural, rather bleak situation that he could see in front of him. Several examples of this in use in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 5, remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Not a happy story. But in Acts 5 verse 3, then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received got several times all the way through the Gospels, actually. Jesus said to have, to have known what they were thinking or seen what was in their heart. So Mark 2, verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their heart. Mark chapter 12, verse 15, should we pay or shouldn't we? Talk about taxes to the Romans. He said, but Jesus knew their hypocrisy what was going on behind the scenes here. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Now, in my experience, that this gift, discerning of spirits, is mostly a private gift for personal insight. Or it might be one that a team or a group might seek together when, when they want to know again what's really going on behind the scenes. What are true motives? What are the driving forces? What are the underlining influences right here, right now? Is it just someone being carnal and immature or manipulative? Or is there a more sinister force behind it? What's the agenda being pushed? Is it just someone's personal preference? Or is the enemy trying to lead us in those kinds of situations, you really need to be able to discern what is going on in the spirit. Now, it's interesting, uh, I did this this week. If you run a word search, which you can do online, really easy these days. Don't need to use that massive, strong, exhaustive concordance that I have holding up some shelves in the office. If you run a word search and look at the adjectives in, all the way through the Bible that come next to the word spirit, you see, there are all sorts of different types of spirit. I'll give you a quick list. We find talk of a critical spirit and a bitter spirit, a steadfast spirit, a willing spirit, a spirit that is broken, an impure, unclean spirit, an evil spirit, a haughty spirit, a deceiving spirit, a crushed spirit, a stubborn spirit. My favorite, which is a gentle spirit. Spirit, because that's one of those I have. 
You know, it's extremely valuable to be able to discern the kind of spirit. And in, in, the, in, the, in the language here, it's the word pneuma rather than the word for demon. Right? It's, it's extremely valuable to, to be able to discern the kind of spirit that a person possesses. And there's a huge list of possibilities there from Bible text. I want you to note this is not the gift of discerning the faults in others. Do not conf- confuse the discerning of spirits with a critical spirit. I love this line I read this week. If, if those who think they have the, the gift of fault finding would just turn that gift back on themselves for about 15 seconds, they would never use it again. You know, the discerning of spirits is not an angry gift. It's not a judgmental or proud gift. It's a wise gift. And still, like all the others, operates from the heartbeat of love. Why? Because it's designed to expose flesh and error and to reveal spirit and truth. To take people from the perilous hands of the enemy to the safety of and love, and lordship of Jesus. You know what, generally speaking, you cannot deal with or confront or transform something until you can see it. You know what I mean? Until you can recognize it for what it really is. Until you can put a name to it. Until you can identify where it's coming from or what its agenda is why the discerning of spirits is so powerful. Why? Because it helps you to see, like the Hazi, it helps you to see what God sees. In my experience, on just a handful of occasions, God has warned me very early on about a particular person's motives or, or their agendas, or their character. Every single time, it's proved to be spot on. Just a handful of times. And I'm very grateful to have received this warning and to have had that that knowledge, that, that discernment, if you like, in the background while the whole process played itself out, sometimes over many years. Of course, that works both ways. The Lord will help you to discern a good and wise and mature and gifted humble spirit, as well as giving you a warning. Okay, three gifts in one, lightning quick talk. Next question is, how do we get there? How do we grow in these gifts? How do we press into these gifts? How do we increase in these gifts, individually and as a church? I don't know about you, I, I don't want these just to be good theory. I think we've covered good theory. What's the line? If it's in the Bible, it should be in the church. The question is, where do these gifts fit? How do we get them? And how do we deliver them when we do? Well, thanks for the question. I'm glad you asked. I've got four really quick ideas, and and then I'll tie this together. How do we increase in these revelation gifts? Number one, keep cultivating your relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
Oh, Jamie, we've heard this one before. You've only got one message. Correct. Here it goes again. Keep cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Remember, after all, these are his gifts. The best thing we can do, the best thing we can always do is to foster that relationship. It's to nourish that, that ongoing dialogue with the Holy Spirit. You've got to make sure that you are talking with him. So you know what his voice sounds like. You know what his voice sounds like in tone and in character, and in emphasis. And so that makes it far more likely that you'll recognize him speaking when he does. If we have no relationship with the Holy Spirit, don't be surprised if we never hear him speak and we never get used in these gifts. So number two, number two is drink, not think. Let me qualify. John chapter, this is my brother's thought, this one. John chapter 7, verses 37, 38. Wonderful verses. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and think. Okay, no, that's not what it's saying. Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water. I reckon that's the gift of the Holy Spirit, amongst other things. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. You know, the gifts, all the gifts, these gifts are spiritual, not intellectual. They're supernatural, not natural. Here we go. You're not going to come up with these gifts by thinking harder. The best way is to worship, pray in tongues, as we talked about last week, to stir up the gift, to stir up your spirit. Get into his presence. Open your heart. And then listen. You know, in Psalm 46, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. It doesn't mean be still physically. It means be still mentally. Because only in that place will you be able to sense what God is stirring on the inside. Only once you've, you've quietened all the noise and all the distractions, which are manifold. You have, to, you have to dial, as it were, into an altogether different frequency. Number two. Number three, we're nearly there. Number three is aim for simple. I always love a point that says aim for simple. Most of the words of knowledge that, that I have heard have been, frankly, been short and precise. You know, we're not looking for some vague horoscope style prediction. You know what I mean? You know, there's someone in the room with backache. Well, well done you. Very good. Remember, long doesn't mean inspired. Inspired means what, it's the inspired part that unlocks the miracle. Not our best efforts to look good or sound clever. Why? Because when God speaks, that is when everything changes. And number four, quickly, when you share a word, offer it humbly. Humbly for me means, means you give people a way out. 
that this might, this might just be me. I might be wrong here, but I feel the Lord might be saying, Lord, I reckon we need to be extremely careful when we're claiming to speak for God. Don't we give them a way out. You give them a choice. Don't, don't pressurize them or don't manipulate them. I heard prophetic gifts used like that. So we must give them a way out, but we must also give them a way in. In other words, give them a way to respond to what God has said or to receive what the Lord is offering. Let me pray for you. Come and see the prayer ministry team. Now, why don't you take some time now to stand on that promise or stomp your feet in praise? Something clear that gives them a, a tangible and practical way to respond to what God said, because it's like that can opener. It's like that catalyst, but you've got to press into what's beyond that. Of course, in the context of our services, the, the, the service host will help you with that kind of thing. Okay, nearly there. So how do we, how do we apply this to us as a church? How do we apply this in, in our context or in our church services? Well, you know, I am, I am grateful that there are people in this room to operate in these gifts, particularly the word of knowledge. I'd say, let's have more of that. Has it ever occurred to you that, that God could use you? I remember quite a few years ago, I, I, I don't know if many of you were here, but we had a visit from Jill and Pete Cole's pastor called Matt Hines from right over there, down there in Australia. And he was fantastic. And after the service, we went for a walk, went to Broadway, I think, as it, were, as it was. And we were walking, and you know, I was kind of asking him some questions, trying to press him, in, draw on that wisdom, find out how he'd got where he'd gotten. And he said something really, really interesting to me. He said something like this. And he, he, it was a big church. There were different campuses, different campus pastors and so on. And he said something, something like this. He said, don't just preach. That's the beginning. I'd say amen because you know, the preach is a means, it's not the end. The end is, is what we do with it. The end is, is the response. The end is what God specifically speaks to you or what he specifically sows in your heart. So don't just preach, that's just beginning. I say, I challenge all of my pastors. I give them a hard challenge. I say, go beyond that and seek words of wisdom. I want you to ask God, what is it that you've got to say, really got to say? You know, and I, I believe that in my preparation, I seek the Lord prayerfully a week, that hopefully a lot of that is already embedded in the message. Let's press into more. Let's ask God for more. And so I've responded to Matt Hines' challenge. If I'm not on the piano, which I offer now, and I go back to my seat here, once I've finished preaching, once the ministry team start, then I'm asking those questions. God, what is it? you want to say that goes above and beyond, that pushes a little bit further and works in a little bit deeper. I believe those words can be catalysts and can be can opening in powerful ways. So here's my prayer. My prayer is that when we move into times of ministry, hint, hint, coming up any minute now, my, my prayer is that those people with a prophetic gifting or prophetic leaning or desire even, those people that are open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit will, will be quietly sitting in their seats 
praying something like this. Lord, what word do you have for your people today? This might just be a trigger for one person. But Lord, what do you want to say today to open the door to your transforming power in this place right now? That's what I'd love to see happening. Do you know what? If, if he does show you something, then go and see the service host. And in fact, it'll probably be simple enough for them to communicate on your behalf. I, I've been in churches where, you know, as the ministry time has started, there's been a little shuffling forward. And two or three people have come and given their words to the service host and he's been able to stand up and say, bang, bang, bang. God has shown us that there are people here with. And someone is struggling with that. And someone is suffering with this. And that opens up that whole that's what I'd love to see. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a, a handful of, of inspired words to, to, to spark ministry and response in this place each week? Well, I reckon I'm pretty confident that if we could get to that place, if we could open up that door, then that would spark a river of ministry and of healing and of breakthrough power, which I say a resounding amen.